Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins of Empire. So we have one of those weird situations here at Ruins of Empire HQ. It would seem that producer Sean is experiencing what can only be described as a mild form of PTSD. Having to edit my nearly constant mistakes have left him a bit twitchy at the best of times, but it gets noticeably worse whenever the action heats up in this pulp sci-fi adventure series. So if you could, go to Amazon.com and get a copy of the book for yourself. It will help me buy more Whale Songs CDs to help him get through another editing session. And who knows, with the way the tension is building in these books, Sean might not be able to complete it. He is, after all, a man on the edge. Listening to Ruins of Empire, Templum Veneris, Book Two of the Ruins of Empire Project, a serial podcast novel by Jeremy L. Jones, read by the author. Chapter 25. The corporate bombardment lasted for a full week. In that time, the newly formed corporation military dropped more explosives on Brazilian cities than were used in both world wars and every other war since combined. Records from that time become sparse as untold millions perished in the flames. Even Diana Adriana seemed to have gone silent, except for a few tantalizing details that seemed to indicate that she had not given up hope for her people yet. From the Fall The Decline and Failure of 21st Century Civilization by Martin Raff. Sala Gran was once again packed with soldiers in the middle of their seemingly hourly drinking parties as Celia and Isra walked through the grand wooden doors. Both turned an eye to the Arenha's throne at the head of the room. It was conspicuously empty, and Isra felt its effects in the mood of the soldiers, which was quieter and lacked the unrestrained festive feeling that Isra had sensed before, like some spark had been removed from every single man. They still ate, drank, and told stories. They still sparred in between tables and caroused with women of various houses, but it was all muted somehow. It was as if everyone knew they would not live to see another party like this one. As Celia and Isra approached the tables, a Cytherian woman ran up to them and bowed. Arena Isabel has formed an emergency concerto. You and Isra are required to attend as soon as possible. Celia thanked the woman, saying they would be along immediately. As she walked away, Celia closed her eyes and took several deep breaths. Isra took her by the shoulders. Celia, look at me. She opened her eyes, and Isra could feel an intense, paralyzing fear along with a stomach-churning sickness that went along with a betrayal of this magnitude. Isra continued, What you do, you do to save Cytheria. Celia nodded, and Isra added, Repeat that. Celia took another deep breath. What I do, I do to save Cytheria. Isra smiled. That is good. Remember, we go along with what the Arenha wants. We tell her that her war is coming. What if... Celia started saying. Then she glanced over at one of the Akolto serving food. Isra followed her gaze and got a glimpse of a fused eye and a scar along the side of the face. Stay with me, said Isra, focusing her attention back to her. This is dangerous, but we must be brave and never forget why we are doing this. Celia nodded. Or Cytheria. Isra nodded back at her. Good. We should go. She let Celia lead the way through the twisting corridors into the interior where two soldiers stood guard at the door that led into the Conselho chambers. 
The audience side of the hall was almost completely empty. There was only the Arin Ha and her council of elder women, who watched them both enter like hawks, watching something moving in the brush. Isra kept her eyes lowered, but stole a glance or two at the Arin Ha. Sitting on a silver throne in a beam of sunlight, she was impossible to read. She might as well have been one of the statues in the garden. Celia and Isra both knelt in front of the hearth, with their heads bowed and waited. The elder women sitting on either side of Isabel whispered back and forth in a way that felt unusual. Their fear and anxiety made the air seem thin, and each breath took more effort. But, when she looked up at the Arenha, there was nothing but a cool, almost comforting calm. When the Cytherian leader finally spoke, her voice echoed around the room, like the voice of all the ancient gods that ever existed on Venus or Earth. Our soldiers went to apprehend Althea. They were not successful. Isra made sure to keep her own voice calm and level, so that she would be as hard to read as Isabel was to her. Apologies, Arenha. Althea is cunning and resourceful. I will see to her personally. And what of Kronos? Isabel added. Gone. Isra replied as automatically as she could. Fled somewhere within the city, possibly beyond the walls. He was not with Joanna when we arrived. The Arenha smiled slightly and breathed out in the slightest of laughs. Kronos vanishes. Althea fights off my soldiers. And Vago Spade is alive. No matter how hard she tried, Isra couldn't keep a small amount of relief out of her voice. Alive? Vago? How... how do you know this? Isabel's face hardened to an icy glare. Do not come before me and act surprised by this. You think I do not see. You think me a mere child who will believe whatever I am shown. Isra collected herself quickly before she responded. Arenha Isabel, I mean no disrespect. I am as shocked. Arenha Isabel, cried Celia, collapsing into a kowtow position. Forgive me. I have been deceived. Isra kept her eyes fixed on the Arenha, but it took all of her conscious will to keep her expression from revealing her fear. Isabel gave her subject a warm smile and gestured with her hand. Rise, my loyal servant. Tell me of what you speak. Celia glanced over at Isra. Even though she didn't return the look, she could feel the sadness and regret on her face and knew what was coming next before she spoke. Isra did not contact Earth. Instead, she convinced me to turn my back on you and my beloved city of Cytheria. She let her man escape and refused to call her people. She convinced me to come back and lie to you, to say they had all gone as you asked, and, when the time was right, release her so she could return to her ship and leave you with nothing. Forgive me, Arenha. Please. Celia dropped back to prostrate herself before the Arenha, but, once again, Isabel raised her hand. Rise, for you have done well. You alerted me to the treachery of these earth people before it was too late. Celia lifted her head. But the war with earth. The Arenha rose from her throne. Do not fear. Even as we speak, the man, Vago Spade, forms an army of Corsario to march against our forces. We need not wait for the armies of Earth to arrive. A most glorious battle begins right now, one that will bring a new age of honor and triumph to Cytheria. Come to me, friend. Celia rose and slowly walked around the hearth, still keeping her eyes lowered. The Arenha took her hands and held them within hers. My most loyal servant, do you trust me? Celia nodded. Of course, my Arenha. Do you love Cytheria? With all my heart. 
Isabel released her hands and lifted one of hers with her elbow bent at ninety degrees. Celia knelt before her ruler, and Isabel touched her head. Honora y Forcha. Now stand with me, said Isabel. A wave of relief washed across Celia's body. She got to her feet and took a position next to Isabel's throne. Isabel turned her attention to Isra. Now, what to do with the treacherous people of Earth? The Arenha walked around the flaming hearth and approached from the right, but Isra kept her eyes focused on the space in front of the throne. As a prisoner of war, you should know that I am afforded certain treatment by the laws of Earth. Breaking these laws will result in certain punitive arrangements when the war... Stand and face me, commanded the Arenha. Isra did. Isabel's eyes were cold and razor sharp. Then she moved so fast that Isra barely realized she threw a punch until Isra fell to the ground with her hand covering her bleeding nose. Before Isra could compose herself, the Arenha was on top of her. One hand held her by the throat while the other, balled into a fist, continued to pummel her face. Do you think I am weak? Isabel punched again. Stars exploded in Isra's head. Do you think I am so easily manipulated? She struck again. This time Isra's mouth filled with blood. Do you think I am fat and stupid, that I cannot fight when I need to fight? Isabel punched one more time, and Isra heard her nose crunch and felt her head bounce against the stone floor. She inhaled deeply and coughed up blood, in an attempt to get a full breath of air. Then again, out of nowhere, she felt a sharp blow to her chest as the Arenha kicked her. Perhaps on earth your rulers are mere facades of strength, symbols that your people cower before, but who could not withstand a strong wind. But I am not that ruler. My power comes from strength. The power of Cytheria comes from strength, Isabel bellowed and paused for a moment and said, Stand up. Shaking, fairly certain her nose was broken, and with one eye already threatening to swell shut, Isra got to her feet. In her early career in the ministry, she had received basic combat instruction, enough to escape a potentially dangerous situation, but nothing close to competing with the Arenha's strength or speed. Still, she didn't see any other choice right now other than to face the woman on her own terms. She put up her hands and prepared herself for the next assault. Isabel circled Isra, her white gown gracefully flowing behind her, but she didn't raise her hands or drop into a fighting stance. She looked more likely to give a speech than engage in hand-to-hand combat. When she was in range, Isra threw a right jab, which Isabel batted away as if it were nothing. Isra tried again. This time Isabel grabbed her arm and, through a complicated maneuver that involved a punch to the gut and a knee to the jaw, threw her to her knees with her right arm hyperextended behind her. Isra cried out as Isabel lifted her wrist a fraction of an inch, causing excruciating pain. I think it's time you understand. Garda, bring an iron. The head of the Human Reconnection Project watched helpless as one of the soldiers put on a glove and retrieved one of the iron rods sitting in the basin. She struggled as panic rushed through her body, but she was forced back down as, once again, Isabel manipulated her arm in a way that caused her debilitating pain. Now you see... Isabel calmly held her arm while the soldier approached with the glowing red rod. I rule Cytheria because I am Cytheria, and Cytheria is me. Isra tried to pull herself out of Isabel's grasp again, but there was no way to do it. Even if she broke her own arm, she would not be able to pull it from Isabel's hold. To separate us would kill us both, myself and Cytheria, Isabel continued. I am the strongest, the most ruthless, and the most unyielding. 
This is why I rule. This is why Cytheridia needs me. The soldier was close now, and he brought the glowing red tip of the rod so near her face that she could feel the heat start to burn her skin. And if I need to, I will burn this world and yours to ashes to ensure the glory of Cytheria continues for all time after this moment. There was a pause before Isabel said to the soldier, Do it. The moment was blessedly short. The only thing Isra heard was her own horrific scream echoing through the chamber before the world went dark and she passed out from the pain. You have been listening to The Ruins of Empire, Templum Veneris, the second book of The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. Music was Predator by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. Licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license. City of Geeks, independent new media produced in Idaho.